In a global industry where anything can happen, where mistakes cost much more than dollars, we bring you expertise from around the world to ensure that everyone goes home safe every day. The internationally acclaimed Oil & Gas HSE podcast starts now with your host, Russell Stewart. Hey everybody, yes indeed, this is the internationally acclaimed OGGN HSE podcast. Thanks for tuning in to another episode. As today we are specifically focused on making sure everyone comes home safe because we have on the show today our guest Jeff Peoples, who is the Chief Development Officer for Tomahawk Safety. Uh, Jeff, thanks for taking your time and coming on the show today. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Well, it's my pleasure. Uh, I believe this is going to be a conversation all HSE professionals are especially going to want to hear. Uh, but as I always say, no matter what your position is in the oil and gas industry, we're all about health, safety, and the environment. So this is something we're all going to want to hear. Jeff, while I'm anxious to jump right into it, for those of you listening, it's important to note that today's show, as well as all our shows, would not be possible if it were not for our sponsor, Anderson Hauser, a global leader in process automation and measurement instrumentation, Anderson Hauser, the people for process automation. Tell them thank you for sponsoring the show by going to our OGGN Anderson Hauser website, which you can find a link to in the show notes and register for our monthly giveaway. Also, you can find in the show notes my LinkedIn contact info where you can message me and let us know what you are enjoying about the show and suggestions for content uh, you might like to hear. All right, Jeff, let's jump right into it. First of all, tell us about yourself. Uh, well, I um, came uh, to Texas by way of uh, Georgia after high school. I came out to Texas Tech University. and Now, hold on there just a minute. You went from Georgia to Texas. Now, this show is listened to in over 100 different countries, although although most of our listeners are in Texas, so they will know that, but other people won't know. Texas Tech is in a place called Lubbock, Texas. Mac Davis uh, had a very popular song about Lubbock, Texas. You know, what they say about Lubbock, Texas is Lubbock, Texas is in the center of everything. It's 500 miles from this, 500 miles from that, and 500 miles from everywhere. Right. <laughs> Texas Tech is way out in the middle of West Texas. Actually, my daughter went to school in Lubbock. And uh, so you drive about four and a half hours to Abilene, then another 30 minutes to uh, Sweetwater. And then you get on, I think it's Highway 84. And you say, surely I'm there. And you look up and there's a sign that says Lubbock is still over 100 miles away. <laughs> so, <laughs> so how does a boy from Georgia get to Lubbock, Texas? Well, I came up with something new and that had never been done before. I followed a girl. <laughs> but, uh, okay. And how'd that work out for you? Oh, it worked out well for about two weeks. Uh, <laughs> and then, uh, but I don't regret it. I, I love Texas Tech. It, I love the people of West Texas. And it was a great experience. And, uh, you know, my lifelong friends from out there. So, you know, at the time it felt like the world was ending. But in the end, it was, you know, it was God's plan. It worked out perfectly. Well, that's good. So you're a bona fide Red Raider. I am. <laughs> okay. So you study safety there. Uh, what? Uh, how'd you wind up in the safety business? Well, I, I studied international business at Texas Tech, and you know I've done that in congruence with safety through pretty much all of my safety career. But I, you know, it took a long time before I ever got into international business. I started out a couple of different uh, jobs here and there, starter jobs, and ended up spending a significant portion of my 20s in finished lubricants and fuels. Worked out on the West Coast with a company called North American Lubricants and then got a 
you know, a wonderful opportunity to come to back to Texas and work for a company called O'Rourke Petroleum, where I met my mentor and just had a, an incredible growth experience. They're a great company. And he ended up after quite a few years there when I was just as comfortable as I could possibly be and happy. Uh, he moved on to uh, a safety company, a glove company, and I followed him there and was able to work internationally with some of the biggest oil companies in the world and about 28 different countries over the, over the past five or so years. And that was a wonderful experience. And that company sold, you know, got traded again with a, another investment firm and I left and had an opportunity. I was blessed to have an opportunity. Uh, one of my fraternity brothers from uh, Texas Tech, you know, had done extremely well in his career in medical, in the medical world and wanted to start companies on his own and sponsor. And he wanted to do it with his friends. So, you know, he asked me, did I want to go with my own company? And the answer was yes. I would love to start my own company. I would love to design my own products. And, and that's how we got to Tomahawk Safety. Okay, so you're one of the co-founders of Tomahawk Safety, and uh, as I understand it, you're in Houston. Your partner is in, who's your... your Our home office is in Frisco, Texas. Frisco, okay. Mm-hmm. All right. For those for those listening and don't know, that's the, that's the Dallas, Dallas-Fort Worth area. Yeah. Although, although folks from Dallas and folks from Fort Worth don't like to hear Dallas-Fort Worth put together, you know, but, uh, and, and for people who don't know, they think, well, those two, two towns, uh, because everybody says Dallas-Fort Worth, they must be right next door to each other. There's actually about 40 miles apart. They're actually about 40 miles apart from each other. But anyway, that's another geography lesson for everybody. But so you have uh, the home office there, you're in Houston. So you have two different divisions. Is that correct? Yeah, we, you know, I'm more of just doing the development and the marketing and sales and everything for the, what we'd call our industrial side. Now our medical side grew enormously through the COVID period of, of course, why would it not? Uh, we actually began manufacturing sterile medical gowns here in the Houston area. We had three different manufacturing centers that we worked with and, 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 and produced the products. We had a you know, for the, for hospitals and, you know, for the government contracts as well. So we did extremely well with that. And, but yeah, we kind of divided them up as they were, you know, different focus, different things, different products, you know, different needs. So we kind of separated the divisions and we look at it that way now. But as far as the industrial side goes, which is where you are, that's where you're involved in the safety aspect of things. Yes, that's where I'm involved in the production of safety products, you know, a PPE, you know, what most people call PPE in the industry. That word, I think most of the world now knows what that acronym is, but before that, before COVID, they did not. But PPE, just anything, is it means personal protection equipment, and it can be anything. And, and you know, medical gowns are PPE as well as safety gloves and hard toe boots. Now, do you have oil and gas clients? I do. Most of the clients, I would say the, the vast majority of my clients are oil and gas clients. Although we are, you know, we have construction, mining, rail, uh, manufacturing. Uh, we make products for each and every type of industry possible, essentially. And, and a lot of the products are crossed. They can be used in both. You know, the world's moving towards a safer world. So all of these industries that may have been lagging in that world are now coming along with oil and gas because oil and gas kind of led the way. 
Okay, then that that's interesting that you say that. I, I want to expand upon that because one of the things we do on this particular podcast and actually on all the OGGN podcasts, and uh, that gives me a chance to stop right here and do a little shameless advertising because we just added four new podcasts to our OGGN lineup. So uh, everybody who's listening, uh, go to the OGGN.com website and right there will be a link that says find your podcast and uh, check out all the all the various different podcasts that we do but we're huge advocates for the oil and gas industry all the negative what do you call it the negative press the the negative image that has been painted by folks about oil and gas you know we're we're for we're for dirty air and dirty water and you know all this sort of thing and 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 we don't care about safety and the truth of the matter is nothing could be farther from the truth. The oil and gas industry has paved the way for a lot of these things, right? Correct. I mean, just as you just said, you know, the oil and gas industry, they didn't have any room for error. I mean, they were already, the pressure was already there from the environmental side, you know, from the you know anti-monopolistic people side because they're all so big. But they had a lot of pressure on them, and it was primarily, you know, climate, environmental, and so they couldn't make mistakes otherwise. So having a lot of, having a poor injury and, and, and fatality rate in the industry would have been really bad to add to the problems that just wouldn't, that were never going to go away. And that's that, you know, that pressure from the environmentalist side of things. So they had to be perfect, so they worked hard on in, in growing that and, and bringing in products that that just simply worked better to protect the workers more. And, you know, a lot of these companies, you know, I'm not going to plug them. Some of them are doing very poorly at it, but some of them are just outstanding at it. And, and it's good to see, I mean, because there is a direct correlation between companies who do well financially and companies who care about safety. Absolutely. So, so let's talk about in, in general terms, the ones that do well, what is it that they do well? Well, I th- you mean in terms of safety? Right, absolutely. Well, I think it's uh, it starts with a an, an absolute culture of it, and safety has to be preached and it has to be in people's minds. It can't just be something you fill out a piece of paper, you fill out a, you know, great, you know, it, it has to be really, really part of the culture of the company, and it has people have to completely buy into it. The company has to invest in their in their people. If you give them trash, they're going to feel like trash. If you give them great protective products you're going to make them feel important they're going to want to take care of them and they're you know and also training they train very well they get it they train very well and what i've seen works better than training well is training often because safety tends to be one of those things where if you don't have an injury for two three months well guess what you do you become lackadaisical bam there's an injury and so training often i've seen believe it or not is more effective than training well so I think those, you know, those things that companies do well, you know, when they're safe, they keep good people, and that adds to the, you know, the productive value of the company. If they got great people, they're doing better as a company. They're more effective, they're more efficient, and they're just out better all around. So by process of elimination, the ones who don't do it well don't do these things. Correct. I mean, they don't, and and you see it. You know, I'd seen it before, but I really saw it on this downturn early on. There, there, I mean, there, any company that I would have conversations with and, and, and they would, you know, tell me, yeah, we don't care about that. You know, they were the first ones out the door. And I think that's just a indication of, of general indication of culture. 
culture all around, right? And in good culture all around leads to a good safety culture. It's just kind of those things that, you know, a rising tide lifts all ships. You know, it's a good culture and, and, and that's what the most important thing is. So you talk about it being important to provide quality equipment, quality PPE. So do you guys uh, have a particular flagship product or how does that work? Well, we started with gloves. Uh, that was our first flagship product, I would say. We had, you know, a few of them with because that was, you know, my expertise or my the primary expertise that I had in design. And I spent a year and a half designing them, uh, believe it or not. You know, through the years I was working with companies, I wasn't, I was going them from the point of view of, I don't want to just get you a better product. I want to decrease your hand injuries. That's, that's the goal. If I'm decrease your hand injuries, because what a lot, the dirty little secret is that hand injuries are a lot more expensive than expensive gloves. So, you know, they cost a lot more. So we looked at hand injuries and said, okay, what's causing them? And certain things were, you know, we looked at fit. Fit was a primary cause of hand injuries because guys, they do, you know, the ladies and guys in the oil field, they do several different jobs. They have several different things they do. They need a lot of dexterity sometimes and need a lot of protection sometimes. So having a glove that works for everything is hard to do. But having a glove that has, you know, increased dexterity allows them to, and also protection allows them to do the heavy jobs, but not take the gloves off to do the jobs that require a high motor skill. So we focused heavy on the design of a product that fits better into the hand, is less cumbersome, so they can do those types of jobs more freely and not have to take those gloves off, ending up in an injury. The second thing was, is on the impact design of the gloves, you know, most of all the studies I did, we found that most of the injuries occurred on the tips of the fingers. So we focused on being the absolute best in the industry on tip, fingertip protection, which is a design nightmare, by the way. But you have to do it if you want to, if you wanted to create something different. We didn't want to be a Me Too company. We didn't want to be a company that said, hey, look, this is a glove that's out there. This is a common design. Let's just slap our name on something that, and put our colors on it and call it ours. No, we wouldn't want to do it. We wanted to build something different. We wanted to move to market and we wanted to decrease injuries, you know, as in the same pattern and fashion that we had in the past. So those two things are what we did. And we, you know, we also have a hand safety program that encompasses that, that leads to the, the decreased injuries. And that's, you know, involves things like coming on site and doing a hand safety hazard assessment of the facility, doing a testing of the gloves, doing hand safety training, several different types of hand safety training, building glove matrices to put on the wall that says, hey, guys, if you're doing this job, you use this glove. If you're doing this job, you use this glove and things like that, just to to partner with our companies to to lead to, hey, not just get you a better glove. Let's decrease the hand injuries and let's be more productive. So I suppose you probably have some horror stories about hand injuries. Oh boy. Everything from, you know, fingers chopped off. You know, when I was in my past company, I was in Norway and I saw a, you know, a company had just used a little slight chemical glove to, you know, the guys using, they were exposed to hydrofluoric acid. And, you know, I was a study chemistry quite a bit in college. I knew how awful hydrofluoric acid was. And it looked like, you know, one of the, the horror movies where they throw acid on someone and they just kind of melt away. And that's what his finger looked like. So we worked, you know, at, at Ringers to develop a, you know, a, a chemical resistant glove that was also tough, that wouldn't break and have little, you know, that injury to him, that, that catastrophic injury happened just because of a pinhole in his glove. That's all it was. 
And that's how dangerous this product is. And, you know, we see things, 150 pound block falling on a hand from seven foot in the air. And, and I stress this to Ouch. people. Yeah. Yeah. I stress it to people that really impact. It's not always to protect your hand from being injured. It's to keep your hand together. It's to lighten the injury. Most of the time, that's really what's going to happen. It's not going to be, you know, oh, you, you don't have any broken fingers at all. You'll have a broken finger instead of a an amputation. So that's what that's what we're looking to do with the with with the impact protection. Wow. Well, that that sounds that sounds very very fascinating. What else you got? Uh, as far as products, right? We have safety glasses. Uh, we're working on a couple of different things. First thing we worked on was putting building a safety glass that actually had ear protection installed into the glass itself, attached to the glasses itself. Comes wait a out. Minute, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Back back up now. A safety glass with ear protection? Yeah, they would actually be installed into the glasses itself. Kind of opens up like a back door on the end of the glass and it comes down and you're able to retract it back in when you don't need it. The primary reason for doing that was people, if you go to any site, you see the earplugs around everywhere. They're on the ground and they're just very wasteful. They're cheap, but they add up. Also, believe it or not, in West Texas, it became a safety issue as cows were eating them and they was choking on them and, and dying. So uh, one old company owed some farmers a lot of money because of that. So we're trying to keep them off the ground. We're trying to keep them where they don't lose them. And uh, that's just you know an improvement thing we were working on. And, and now we're working on glasses that, I guess, strain the eye, that the lens will strain the eyes less during the day. You know, they see equally well in inside and out. It's not like a sunglass where you go inside, you can't see anything. You see just the same indoors as you do outdoors. So you can keep the glasses, the same pair of glasses on. We're getting really close to launching our first uh, fire resistant clothing. We'll have that within the next three months, probably maybe sooner. Some of the technology that we've developed there is, you know, we're working with an inherently fire resistant fabric. Most fire resistant fabric achieves that property by spray on. Uh, that spray on washes off after a few industrial washes. So we, we wanted a product that the, the actual thread itself was inherently fire resistant. And we, we have our overalls at five and a half ounces. So it's a very, very light overall to protect against heat exhaustion. You know, I think that's very important because that you mentioned about gloves because of the dexterity problems and what whatnot. People want to take them off. And because these FRs, I mean, you know, FR is 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 almost like, uh, <laughs> you know, people, you know, they they don't respond well to uh, to having to wear FRs a lot of times. And uh, not so at it all. Like, it sounds like you're responding to some of the problems that come with 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 folks wearing FRs. Well, I mean, they're in Texas and Louisiana for the most part. It's incredibly hot. And they're also, they're heavy. They, they wear you out. Uh, people understand the, the, the process of repetition. You wear something, something may not be heavy, but if you wear it all day in active work, it gets heavy. So, you know, we're trying to make it lighter and try to make it cooler. We actually have a vent system we built into ours that uh, looks like a fishing shirt, that acts like a fishing shirt and remains fire resistant. So uh, that cools every the body down because there there's a lot of injuries in the, especially in the oil field of, of heat exhaustion, and heat stroke. So we want to prevent, you know, all of that from happening, make the workers more comfortable, you know, make them cooler. Oh, that's great. That's great. Well, this has actually been very fascinating. You got anything else you want to mention before we close out the show? 
No? Come take a look at us, tomahawksafety.com. I'm also on LinkedIn if you want to contact me, Jeff Peoples, on LinkedIn. Yeah, we will definitely put your LinkedIn URL into the show notes so people can contact you uh, directly if, if they want to. Jeff, you have any insights into what the biggest challenges in safety you see on the horizon or currently existing? You know, currently, and, and this may just be an oil and gas problem, but it's it's a... It's well, a, this is an oil and gas show, so go for it. <laughs> it's lack of personnel. I guess the bank, the, the budgets haven't caught up yet. And so you've got safety people out there and they're working three people's jobs. And uh, what that does is prevents them from being pro, doing proactive work, right? They're not... They're not thinking ahead. Everything they have to do is reactive. So that's kind of, it's causing issues and, 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 and not, not creating the best safety environment. But I think that'll correct itself going forward. The number one thing I saw always in safety was new people. New people is, is they were often the ones that got hurt. And I don't know if that's a lack of experience, period, or a lack of experience within the company, but pay close attention. You know, I would, I would, I would recommend that safety professionals pay really close attention to their new people. Well, great. We appreciate that tip. And and again, Jeff, I appreciate you coming on the show. It's been very interesting. Hey, everybody, tune in again next week for another episode of Anderson Hauser's Oil and Gas HSE podcast, a production of the Oil and Gas Global Network. Anderson Hauser is your reliable U.S.-based partner for measurement instrumentation services and solutions. We are your people for process automation. As I mentioned at the beginning of this podcast, discover more about Anderson Hauser at our website posted in the show notes. Register for our monthly podcast giveaway there. Also, follow us on LinkedIn and Twitter. That contact info you can also find in the show notes, along with the uh, LinkedIn URL to contact Jeff Peoples, as we mentioned. Please leave us a review on iTunes and tell your friends about us by posting us on all your social media, and we'll see you next time. Hey, everybody. It's Savannah from OGGN, and here are the events on deck for May 2021. This month, we have four events, but if you'd like the full list, you can click the link in the show notes to sign up for our online events newsletter. We send it out every month, and it includes more info about the events I talk about here. We even include events that occur two months ahead of time, so if you're interested in always staying in the loop about oil and gas events, make sure to check that out. First up, we have our in-person event, which is the 20 YPO's Networking Mixer at the Houston Club on May 25th. Next, we have our three online events, the Post-Industrial Summit Series from May 4th to June 22nd, the Data Fabric and Data Ops webinar on May 5th, and the Maritime Career Day hosted by Women Offshore on May 21st. Other than these events, OGGN has a live stream this month titled Identifying and Evaluating Advantaged Oil Projects on May 5th. So make sure to check that out on our Facebook, LinkedIn, or OGGN.com for more information. You can also find more information about that or any of the live streams or events we have coming up also on Facebook, LinkedIn, or OGGN.com. If you have any questions about these events or any of our shows, make sure to reach out to me through my email in the show notes. That's all for May. I hope you guys have a great month and thanks for tuning in. Tune in next week for another engaging episode of the Oil & Gas HSE podcast, a production of the Oil & Gas Global Network. Learn more at OGGN.com.